how it is supposed to be. This is our Go Gift Sunday. We just want to remind you about that. And uh, Hope and I have already given our gift. We give this above and beyond our regular weekly giving. This is a gift that goes beyond that. And I want you to know, again, if you're a guest around here, I want you to relax. This is for our, our, those who call themselves a part of EBC. And the other thing, even if you're a part of EBC, I want you to relax because we never try to pressure anybody into giving. That's not our heart. That's never been our heart. That's not God's heart. In fact, Paul talks about this. He says, if you feel pressure or under compulsion or under obligation, then don't. In fact, what he says, though, is what he loves is a heart that is a cheerful giver. God loves that kind of heart. So we don't pressure, but I will tell you this, unapologetically, because we believe in this, we invite you into the partnership to do awesome things together for what God's doing all over the kingdom. I love it that I get to be a part of this. Well, i got to confess this to you, all right? I have a bit of a problem with, uh, with needles, specifically needles that uh, draw my blood. Uh, for those of you who are nurses, those of you who are phlebotomists, I'm that guy. I'm just letting you know, okay? I've got a problem with that. I struggle with this. And I had gone to the doctor. I'm better than I used to be, but I went to the doctor a few years ago, and he said, Bart, it's about time for us to do some lab work for you. We are going to need to, we're going to need to take, we're going to need to draw some blood. And the moment he says that, my whole disposition changes at that point, okay? I get this sense of dread that comes over me at that very moment. In fact, in the first service, a few minutes, Minutes ago, I was telling the story, and physiologically, I could already feel it kind of happening with me, okay? Just even talking about it, I start getting warm, okay? So he's like, they'll come in in a minute. So I'm sitting there. I am dreading this. The, the, the nice lady comes in, the nurse. She comes in, and she's as sweet as can be. She comes in with her little bucket full of tor uh, torture instruments, okay? Vials, needles, cotton swabs, the, the strap, all the things, and, and it just, I'm telling you, it freaks me out, all right? I've got a lot of quirks, but this is one of them, and she's like uh, trying, to, trying to talk to me, and I, I, at this point, this is what I do, how I cope with this, I disengage. I don't even want to look at her. I don't want to have a conversation with her. Some of you are like, I, I just have to look away, and I'm like, here you go, do what you got to do, or whatever, and so the moment she takes that rubber strap, and uh, she's like, are you okay? I'm like, all right, I, but, I, but I can't talk, okay? I got to look away. She puts that rubber strap around my arm, and the second it touches my arm, I'm not even talking about needles yet. I like get, I'm getting warmer, getting, getting warm. I'm not, and, and, and little, little beads of sweat start, you know, happening on my bald head, and I'm trying to look away, and then she's like, this lady liked to talk. She was like, oh my goodness, you have a lot of great veins, and she's slapping this, and you know, oh, that's it, and then she's like, oh, this one though, right here, we're going to have trouble. It rolls, it rolls. I'm like, oh my goodness, just do this, just do this, and, and then she's like, and then, and then it, it goes in, it sticks in the vein, and she's still talking. She's like, she's saying, well, and she keeps saying, oh, well, you're doing all right. You okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Uh, I don't want to talk. And, uh, and she's like, oh, well, we got one vial down, two more to go. I'm like, I didn't need to hear that. One vial down, two more to go. And then, and then she, you know, finishes, takes the strap off. I'm holding this. At this moment, again, I am, I am starting to sweat. I'm sweating uh, more than normal. And the cold sweat, that sick feel sweat, I'm feeling this. I start turning green, and then I think it's done, and then she says this with a vial of my blood. She says, well, 
here's your blood, and, and starts doing this. And at that moment, I'm about to get up, okay, my peripheral vision starts to go. I get this tunnel, tunnel vision at this moment, and she's like, or, or, and I just, I'm just letting you know, I, I was in another dimension for a few seconds there. And she's like, all I remember is her kind of standing over me saying, are you okay? Are you okay? And this is my response. I was fine until you started talking, all right? And I, I, I forgot I was a pastor. I forgot all this stuff, okay? I was not doing well. And I was like, and I did, and she's as sweet as she could be. I want you to know, like, she's like, well, just, just sit there for a few moments. I'm sure she went and wrote in my chart, you know, jerk, wimp, all the things for future charts. And, uh, and so I'm sitting there. She brings me some water, and she does say this. Hey, aren't you a pastor? I was like, yeah, yeah, I am. I pastor the Creek Church uh, down the road. It's my good friend, Matt. <laughs> I can't wait to said that. Um, but, uh, but, but seriously, I, I mean, I was sick at my stomach. For, have you, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever had one of those moments when, when somebody says something to you, maybe it's in a conversation that you have at work, maybe you open up a, an email that, that you weren't expecting and, and uh, you, you look at the screen, you read it, Maybe it's something that a parent said to you years ago or whatever, but whenever it was said to you with whomever it was, you just kind of felt sick. You kind of felt like maybe, and maybe again, not the physiological response I have, but you just felt the life kind of go out of you. Have you ever, have you ever felt that? Like somebody said something critical or hurtful or whatever, and it's like that sickness in your stomach when you open that email and you look, right? And it's this, it's this, this feeling that comes over you. It's this dread. It's this this feeling where we struggle with, with this particular experience of just kind of sick at my stomach. And I know some of you have experienced this because there is a weight with our words. There is a weight that is with our words. We've been in Proverbs, and, and Proverbs, as we look at this in our series, will speak about our words in thir this is crazy, in 31 chapters, it will bring this up over 150 times. It says much about our words, and here's the reality, because we say, all of us, we say much. We talk all of the time. We say a lot of words. Most of us will say around 16,000, on average, 16,000 words a day. You'll have over 700 kinds of conversations, the average person, 700 kinds of conversations. And when you begin to, when you begin to think about this and you actually add that up, and, and I saw a statistic on this, we are saying enough words in one day that will lead to one week. Do you realize that that is enough one week to fill a 300-page book? You and I, we are writing a book every single week. And the question we need to ask is, what kind of book are we writing with our words? What are we saying? What kind of book is coming out of our mouth and the things that we say to one another? Proverbs will speak more about our words than, and it talks about all these things, than sex, 
money. It talks a lot about that. Then that our then marriage and, and our work life, all these things incredibly important. But Proverbs will talk more about the weight of our words than just about anything else. Now, we will many times think thoughts like this. Well, they're just words. I mean, it's just, they're just words. It's not that big of a deal, Bart. I mean, think about maybe you have a kid that goes off to, to school. Someone says something hurtful to them. They come home. They're crushed. We might be inclined to say something maybe that was told to us earlier on, and it's this. Sticks and stones can break your bones, but words can never hurt you. Whoever wrote that was a psycho. I'm letting you know, okay? They, they, they didn't care. Uh, they, maybe they weren't a psycho, but they certainly were in denial or delusional. I, I mean, that, it's just Proverbs would say that's foolishness because Proverbs speaks about the weight of our words. Robert Fulgham in his book, All I Ever Need to Know, I Learned in Kindergarten, he said this. He said, sticks and stones can break your bones, but words can crush your soul. They can crush us. Words aren't a big deal. No, words will get you fired. For effect. I just we just turn the lights out on you. Okay? Words can get you fired. Words. Some of you have experienced this, okay? Have caused divorces. Some have, have experienced that because our words, words have destroyed some of our friendships, have ruined relationships. Words ruin reputations, don't they? Whenever a scripture says this person repeats a matter instead of covering this. Words split churches. Words send people in a certain direction within their life, words literally can even take a life. I had a, a woman who approached me a while back, and she said this to me, and, and she said, Pastor Bart, they can take a life, but they also can give life. She said, and, I, and this just reminds me, we have no idea what the person sitting next to us, the person who has come in here today, we don't know what people are going through. But she said to me, she said, you said something, and it wasn't even while I was preaching, it was something in between. She said, I had been thinking about taking my life, but you said something to me that day that changed me, which was such an encouragement to me that day, and I was so glad, but such a reminder I was reading this article this week about a woman out in California who took her life, took her own life. In her suicide note, she left two words in her note. These were the words, they said. I don't know what they said or what, what others were saying, but it was enough that crushed her where she took her own life. Words have so much power. When we say sticks and stones, Proverbs would say, that's crazy. It's crazy. Proverbs would, would give us this big idea. There's so much said about words. Proverbs in chapter 18, verse 21 says this. We say it with me. The tongue can bring, say it with me, what? Death or life. You are a life giver or you are a death dealer with your words. You are either bringing life into other people or you are sucking the life out of them by the things that we say. And then he even says this, those who love to talk will reap the consequences. There are things we are sowing into people's lives and into our lives that are either life or death. 
what kind of things are we sowing into the lives of others? As I was reading these scriptures, I started thinking about some of the times in my life where there have been hurtful things that maybe I kind of carried with me for a while that affected my, my mentality, my, my thoughts, and, and maybe then my behaviors. In fact, we would probably say that the words that people have said to us have led to either some of the highest highs and some of the lowest lows. And I wasn't only thinking about some of the lowest lows, but I was thinking also about the power of some words that some have spoken into my life that literally transformed the just the direction I was going in my life. Some of you know this, that uh, as I've shared it many times, I want to share it again, new, lots of new folks, I never wanted to be a pastor. And it's not because I didn't respect pastors or, or, or thought they were important. I just truthfully never thought I could do it. I didn't b believe that God could or want to use or would use somebody like me. I was the kid that never, teachers, you know about these kids, never wanted to raise his hand in class. I didn't want to be called on. If I would get called on, it would just like, I, I would just, I didn't know how to answer sometimes. And it wasn't that I, that I wasn't smart. I just was terrified of speaking in front of other people. My mom and dad were in the last uh, service. They are great parents. They spoke life into me. This wasn't because of them or anything like that. I want you to know that. I just had a struggle with this. So as I was over at Boswell, God began, uh, as a high school student, God began to deal with me about calling me into vocational ministry. And, and I just remember being like this, God, I will do anything for you. Please, God, don't make me a pastor. God's funny like this, isn't he? Please, God, I'll do anything. I'm a behind-the-scenes guy. I don't want to be up front. I don't want to be a lead. Please, God, anything but that. I ended up going off to college at Hard Payne University. It's where I met my wife, Hope. And uh, I, I initially went there because I was going to learn some stuff about ministry. As soon as I started finding out that I was going to have to take public speaking classes, I would literally, I was on the run from God. I would change my major. I'm like, I'm not doing that. I told you, God, I'm not doing this. Not doing this. Finally get a little, little further along, and I had changed my major a few times, and uh, I realized this, that I cannot outrun this. God, in fact, I continued to be asked to speak by some churches and stuff. I was like, I don't want to do that. And I, I finally got to a place where I had to have a speech class to graduate. I was like, I, I'm going to have to buckle down and take this. Now, Hope and I uh, had the same professor for this. We had started dating. Hope is an amazing student. She is just this academic person, so good, studious. She would work on homework weeks before. Hope, by the way, she graduated summa cum laude. I say I graduated praise the laude, okay? That's how <laughs> you got a pastor like that, okay? Um, and I just would... So we were in the speech class, and she, like, got her speech ready, like, two weeks in advance. And I'm like, please, you know? I'm like, you make me sick. And then she gives her speech. She's all prepared. She gets, like, a 94. I'm like, that's good. Good job. Good job. All right? And then I, it wasn't my turn yet. I kept pro procrastinating, didn't want to do it. And I waited to right before my speech, and I just thought, I'm going to have to do something. It's my turn. I'm sick of my stomach, you know? I'm going to have to get up there and do this. So I just decided I would tell a story. I was like, okay, going right into class. Didn't prepare. Uh, I'm just going to tell a story. And I ended up telling a story about the time when I was a teenager. And this is a true story. I can't tell you the story today. But I got into a fight with some monkeys. No joke. Okay, all right? It happened. 
it happened. Those of you that went to high school with me, you know about it, but I'll tell the story another time. But while I was telling the story, the class of about 75 people in there, they were rolling in laughter. And I kind of got on this, like I got on this little bit of a roll, and they were rolling. Whenever I finished, they clapped. At the end of my speech, I was like, what just happened here? This is crazy, right? Well, my professor, his name, no joke, Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper Dill. He said, Mr. Howell, can I talk to you after class? Literally thought, I probably did it wrong. I probably, that's probably, I wasn't supposed to do that. He pulls me aside and he says, I want to talk to you. He said, uh, I want you to understand something. Number one, you got a hundred. I was like, in your face, hope. Um, <laughs> it's the only time I ever got a better grade than her. And then he said these words, I'm, I'm not exaggerating, words that changed the direction of my life. He said, you have a gift. A gift I never saw, a gift I still struggle to even believe. And he said, would you consider, remember I've been on the run from speech, would you consider becoming a speech communications major? I said, I'm in. I got to do this. Because of those words, kind of launched me back into vocational ministry because I'd been running, right? And became a youth pastor and I would, do, I would speak. I became a young adult minister at a church and I would speak. And 24 years ago, God led me to plant a church here across the street from where he first started calling me. I started thinking this week, I don't know if EVC would be here today if that man had not taken a moment to just say, you have a gift. It was life. Do you understand what I'm saying? He spoke life into me that day, life into this church, life that is planting churches that are planting churches that's happening in Utah and Puerto Rico and all that. I mean, we're just, we're just, we just get to be a small part of all those things. It's, it's the power of life and death. And, and Proverbs speaks about this, and it gives us this this understanding of what both life and death looks like. And I want you to think about this. Who is about life? It's God, isn't it? I mean, Danny was talking about this. The, the spirit, the breath of the Lord, right, speaking life. Who is about death and lies and destruction and all that? It's the enemy. Who speaks death? And the question we have to ask, am I, am I more of an agent of God's grace and life into others, or am I a death dealer with my words? Am I sucking the life out of other people? And let's be real, we all can struggle with our words. I do. We all can end up saying some things that definitely take life away from people. Proverbs speaks about what words of death, we need to know if, if, that's, if there's words of death, there's words of life, we need to know what those are. We need to know what it looks like so that we can run our lives through that filter. Many of us will need to make some adjustments, some changes. I, I really, I, I want to break this message into a couple of weeks. We're going to take a couple of weeks on this because it talks so much. I want to focus for a few moments on the words of life. What do words of life look like? And and, and, and how can that begin to apply in my life? What does it look like? And, and as we pull these up, I want you to really think about yourself and think, are these things true about my speech as a parent? 
as a husband, as a wife, as a boss, or an employer, or, you know, um, or, or a coach, a teacher, every person here, whatever, wherever you are at, are these things true about me? Words that give life. Ironically, the first thing I want to show you is Proverbs comes along and he says, words that give life are really their words of restraint. Words under control. Proverbs will say, ironically, the best thing that many of us can do with our mouths is to close it more. Isn't that funny? He says, listen more, shut your mouth more. Be quiet more. Listen to others. Just really quick, Proverbs 15, 28. The heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. The mouth of the wicked overflows with evil words. They're always talking. He says the mouth of the wicked overflows. Proverbs 29, 20. There is more hope for a fool. You're better off just being a straight up fool, he says, than, than there is for a person or a person with understanding is even tempered. Oh, excuse me, I skipped ahead. For someone who speaks, there's more hope. There's more hope for a fool than for someone who speaks without thinking. Proverbs 17. Truly a wise person uses few words. A person of understanding is even tempered. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent with their mouths shut. They might even seem intelligent. I love how Proverbs just calls it out. He just says, people might even actually think you're smart if you'll just zip it. In fact, if there were a symbol for the book of Proverbs, the big idea of our mouth, it would probably be that. Just zip it. And, and, and you know, if we, if we think about this, we, we just think about this restraint. It's control. The implication is slowing down, not saying as much. It's, it's putting it through the filter, one, the Holy Spirit lives in it. The filter of what, what would God have me say in this? James will, which is another book of wisdom in the New Testament. It's called the Proverbs, really, of, of the New Testament. In James 1.19, he talks about being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Listening more, slowing down, processing before we just spout off everything that comes to our minds. And I started thinking about the people who have been some of the best life givers to me with their words. It's not always the volume of what they say and the amount. You know, it's those that have listened more. They listen. They actually listen to what I've had. They, you know that person that, that just constantly interrupts. You don't even get to say or complete your sentence. They keep interrupting you and then they say, oh, you mean this? And you're like, no, that's not what I was saying. <laughs> no, right? Or, or, or you, you, you see that they're looking at you and they are being quiet. And I know this because I've done this and I've struggled with this. The Lord's helping me with this. They're not listening because they're already formulating what they are thinking about and want to say next. What the Bible is saying is this is foolish. It's foolish. We should listen and think carefully. Not, we, we stop interrupting. I've, I've, I've had to really work on this in my communication with hope. Whenever we will get into intense fellowship, okay, that's a churchy word for fights. 
whenever we have some conflict, I've had a tendency to interrupt her and she can't even finish the sentence. And then, and then I've started realizing it's dealing death where she can't even complete a sentence. And, and Proverbs says it's foolishness. Proverbs says the way that you can spot a fool is they are always interrupting. They're not listening. They're talking over people. And rather than being a person who zips it and just really processes and thinks about what is being said or what was said, they ponder, they use restraint. I had another professor who was a philosophy professor uh, that I had this class with. And we would ask him questions, and it wasn't to stump him. He was just very smart, and we'd ask him these hard questions. And he would always just stop, and, and there would be this long, awkward pause, sometimes minutes. And nobody would say anything. And we asked him one time, why do you do that? Why, it's, why don't you just answer the question? And, and, and this is what he told us. He said that he would rather that there would be awkward silence for a few moments than an awkward apology later. And, 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 and then he also said he realized the weight of his words sends people in a certain direction, especially impressionable young men and women. And so he understood the gravity of his words. He understood that whatever he said to us was going to leave an imprint upon us in some positive way or a negative way. Listening is not just a matter of good conduct. Listening also can bring life to you and can keep you and me out of trouble. Proverbs 18.6 says this, fool's words get them into constant quarrels. If you know a person, maybe it's you, that is constantly in conflict, right? It's like they, they cannot go through life without just conflict all the time. Now, we all have conflict, but this person is characterized by their conflict. Constant. Here's what Scripture says. This person that, that, that is constant quarrels, right? Their words get them into these quarrels. They are, they are asking for a beating. Solomon's really, remember, he's trying to teach his, his young son and his children and young leaders. And he's saying, these words, they will actually, you will be physically harmed if you don't learn to restrain your words in some cases. Right? They, they can cause war. They can cause all these things. He goes on and he says this, Proverbs 21, 23. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut. And you will stay out of trouble. How many times, man, I could raise my hand right here. How many times have you left a conversation with somebody and thought, if I would have just kept my big fat mouth shut, my life would not be so complicated right now? How many times have you been like, why did I post that? How many times have you been like, why did I send that text or write that email? I should have maybe written it and then just filed it away and trashed it if I just sat on it for a little bit. My life would not be so complex right now. When my words are unfiltered, when our words are unrestrained, and we just spout off whatever comes to our mind, we hurt others and we hurt ourselves. This is what he is telling us. Solomon says, zip it. Say less. This is a shocker. Okay, for many of us, you don't have to say everything that comes to your mind. I know some are like, what, what? Seriously, 
You don't have to post every thought you have. I'm not saying you can't say things. Or, I mean, we have the freedom of speech. Praise God we do. We do not have the freedom of what the consequences are of our speech. So we have to think about this. Proverbs 10, 19. Look, too much talk leads to sin. When you're just constantly, next thing you know, you're like, why did I say that? Why did I do that? Right? And our mouth can be like this shotgun, shotgun that just ends up impacting others. He says, be sensible. How many times is he going to say that? Be sensible. Keep your mouth shut. Be quiet. Don't talk. Zip it. Comment less. Post less. Less. Talk less. Now, maybe you were brought up like, your mom was like, you need to express every thought you have Little flower, say whatever you need to say. Your mom is going to get you beat up, okay? You need to know that. You can say it, you just can't. you got to understand there's going to be some consequences that come along with that. The Bible would contradict that. You can think those thoughts or whatever, but you got to just hold back. Would this be something I should say? Words of restraint is what he's saying. Here's another kind of word of restraint. We'll talk more about this next week. Proverbs 11, a gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. When somebody shares something with you that is so important and they're like, this is, this is private, this is between us, you have these goods that have been entrusted to you, and we know, all of us, we're like, ah, just tell this one person, they won't tell anybody. You know that person has a confidant too, a confidant, and then they tell one person, and they, they have a confidant, and then they tell, what he's saying is, you got to understand that we're passing along some information that's not ours to pass along. Words of restraint will keep us out of trouble. Sometimes we've started something by opening our mouths. Proverbs 15, 23, everyone enjoys a fitting reply, a fitting reply, an apt reply, it is wonderful to say the right thing at the right time. Again, words of restraint. You may have the thing you need to say, the timing is not right. Maybe that person is not ready to hear this and you need to pray and ask God to help you with timing because timing is everything. And if, if you're a little bit like my personality, some of us, you relate to this. I got something to say. I need to let them know about it. I want them to. If you are already rolling your neck, you need to cool it for a little bit and maybe wait at least 24 hours, 12 hours, whatever it is. Just step back because timing matters. It matters. Words of restraint are these things that pass life along you may pass life along because you decided not to say something. Or maybe you decided to say it in a restrained, filtered way. Here's also some words of life. Think about yourself in this. These are words that encourage, like that professor I had that changed the direction of my life. Words that build up. Encouragement means to construct, not to deconstruct or tear down. Proverbs 10.21, the words of the godly encourage many would this be said about you do you encourage many or would it be more inclined that you tear more people down than you build up 
The godly encourage many, not just one, many. Fools, though, are destroyed by their lack of common sense. Proverbs 16, 24. Kind words, tempered words, they are like honey. They nourish, right? Sweet to the soul, healthy for the body. There's a, I think there's this physiological thing that happens whenever somebody, somebody says a, a kind word. There is something that goes on within us, you know, that it's, it's not, I'm not talking about untrue flattery. I'm talking about a true compliment. I'm talking about something that could change a person's life. Proverbs 18.20, wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. How many of you love food? You love your foodies? Anybody love to go to a good place to eat? Yeah, man, I do too. Right? And you like look forward to it. You go, you experience good food as well as good experience. And then you think when you man, I feel satisfied. That was good. That was worth it. That was good. Now, if you've been to some places, you're like, that wasn't all worth all the hype. But some of those places, you're like, you know what? I actually want to go back. Do your words make people want to come back and be in your presence because you have brought some satisfaction to their soul? They enjoy being around you. You're, right? you're, you're glad you, you, you've been around a certain person. Or are you the kind of person that because of just, I mean, our culture is so negative. You have bought into that, and before you know it, we all can do this. Me too, right? We all can get so negative and we're complaining about everything every day and complaining about this person and complaining about that. And, and then next thing you know, and here, here's what happens, the negativity spreads in the office because we're spreading it. We don't maybe even intend to, but we are. And it's like becomes this growth within the office or, or in our home or whatever. Are, are, we, are we like, are we in this place where we're actually putting fuel in the tank of others? Or are we siphoning fuel out of others? Life or death. We live in an age of anxiety and depression and discouragement. It's nothing new. It's been true of every generation because of the brokenness of sin. But look at what Proverbs says. Worry weighs a person down, like presses them down. An encouraging word cheers a person. What? Lifts. It's a lift. It's a construction kind of thing. Man, there have been some of you, whenever I was in a place of real discouragement, I want you to know this. Some of you, in God's perfect timing, spoke words of life through either your mouth, through what you typed to me, texted to me, when I was pressed down with anxiety or whatever, and it like lifted me up. Just thinking about you, Bart. You're doing okay. Don't need anything from you. Just you all right. A few years ago, I had COVID, and I was feeling really bad one day, just bad. I was feeling lonely, too, because I was isolated for a while. And uh, just out of the blue, I got a text. Several of you just checked in on me. It was just such a gift. But on one day where I was probably at my lowest, uh, a buddy right over here, Andy, who is now in a life group with me. Isn't that interesting? Life groups. We're to bring life to one another, right? Things we say. He just sent me a text. It was the simplest text. Simplest text. Just said this. How are you? That's it. You doing okay? And at that moment, God used that to, 
I think, I think it started getting better, like, after that. Like, there was something going on within me. I was probably, you know, I think I certainly was feeling better emotionally. Isn't it amazing how God can just use the simplest things like a text, an email, a compliment, not a fake one, a real one. You see something in somebody and you just say, hey, you got, you got a second? Man, you're really good at this. Do you know how good you are at this? Pulling aside one of your kids instead of just nitpicking everything they do wrong, going, boy, you are so good at this. I see something in you. It's probably something they don't see in themselves. Coaches have done that for me. Teachers have done that for me. Some of our teachers, boy, we have a lot of educators in this. My wife is an educator, and she talks to me about there are some kids in our schools, we know this, right? They don't ever hear anything good all week at home. It's a reality. Teachers, those of you who are believers, I know they can be challenging, but you have an opportunity to speak life into children all over this community. Amen, right? Some of you have had your lives changed by our educators, like me. What, what are you like whenever it comes to this? Are you available to be the voice of God to someone who needs to hear his love today? Every week, the Lord reminds me of this in some way. We have no idea what people are going through in here. Some of you, it's the hardest season of your life. Church, as your pastor, I want to lead you in this. I want to be good at this. I want you to come alongside me with this. We can get in a mindset of coming to church and we're here for our parking spot, our seat, our whatever. We got to get. I want you for Jesus to transform our thinking. And, and it's not about me whenever I'm here. God will take care of you. He will take care of you, I promise you. But to begin to think, what does someone else here need? What do they need? Who needs a word today? Just how tragic would it be in a place where we call this, right, we're the people of God in God's place of worship here, for a person to come in here who is in the roughest part of their life and to walk out and God has not used one of us to bring some kind of life into that person. I'm, I'm asking you to come join. Our community needs this. Wouldn't you agree, right? Where, what do they need? What do they need? This question. I, I want you to think about this, okay? There's also these words that are gentle. That's something I can struggle with. It's all about tone. There's restraint, there's encouraging, there's gentle. A gentle answer, he says, deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. Gentleness. This is part of the Holy Spirit that lives within us. Because I cannot manufacture this. My wife, Hope, will say, Bart, she's told me about this blind spot. I shared it with you a while back. When you're talking to people or whatever, you get really animated, you, you look intense, you can look angry, you can even come. So she's like, smile. I do that more, I do it more. 
but not only with you, okay, we'll be in a restaurant. We're having a conversation, and I'm telling her a story, and I'm using hand, and she's like, we'll be in a restaurant, lake house, wherever, and she's like, smile, smile. People have no idea. I'm like, who's watching? She's like, lots of people. Paparazzi? Who? What? You know? She's like, people have, it's tone. It's tone, isn't it? Gentleness, gentle words, gentle words. Gentleness with our, our children. You can be direct, but still be gentle. Jesus was gentle. How he talked, he wasn't weak, but there's a gentleness in the way God deals with us, isn't there? Gentleness. I want to ask you this What do the people around you need? What can you bring them? Are you willing? Do you realize this, what you can be, because we are the body of Christ? Are you available to be the voice of God today that brings life to people who need life? Don't leave it up to me alone. What an awesome thing to be a great church that loves people. Are you available to God? started thinking this week, we'll have anywhere from 1,100 to 1,200 people live on campus, not to mention all the ones who are online. We love you too. It could be upwards to 1,500 or more. Let's just say 1,200 to estimate on the conservative side. I started thinking, what if every one of us, when we walk out these doors, even before, said, this week I am going to, this is your assignment, I am going to find five people this week and speak some word of life into them this week. This is your assignment. Could be your wife, your children, your co-workers, you may be a boss, whoever it is, a teacher, five people. I'm not a math genius. That's, that's 6,000 words of life that could happen this week. Do you think that would matter in this community? think it would. God might use your word this week to save a marriage. God might use your word this week to lead somebody to Jesus. God might set a child who is struggling through your word on a new trajectory because of a word of life you use and have the courage to speak something good instead of these death words. God might even save somebody's life who's thinking about taking their Can we just offer ourselves up to the Lord as the body of Christ, the mouth of Christ?